Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Vegans were once a fringe group disavowing diets that included animal products in favor of plant-based menus. It's trended to such a degree, 600% in recent years, that a plant-based summit will convene here this weekend. It will include participants from several parts of the world. Why is veganism becoming such an increasingly popular lifestyle? With us to discuss it, Karen Dugan is a local plant-based lifestyle expert and the owner of STL Veg Girl. Dr. James Loomis is the medical director of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine at the Barnard Medical Center in Washington, D.C. Thank you both so much for being with us. Great to have you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Karen, let me start with you because I'm a little confused by this. <laughs> as much time as I've spent waiting for you guys. <laughs> For our audience and for me, what is the difference between vegetarianism, veganism, and just the plant-based diet? Well, and still, you know, (laughs) jury's still kind of out on that. Um, Typically vegetarians, uh, though not all the time, but typically they will eat, uh, people who follow a vegetarian diet, I should say, um, will eat dairy and eggs, sometimes fish too. But no meat. But no meat. Hmm. Vegans, those who follow a vegan lifestyle, um, no animal products whatsoever. So there's a, a little bit of a difference between a vegan lifestyle and just a vegan diet. So people who uh, follow a vegan diet, absolutely, they do not eat any animal products at all. I like to say nothing with a face or a mother. Um, but they also don't <laughs> eat or they don't wear any animal products like no wool, no silk, no, mm. no leather, of course. Um, now, plant-based... Um, I would, I, you know, I kind of liken it to just a healthy vegan diet. So no animal products at all. But I'm also, well, people who follow a plant-based diet typically are not eating Oreos. They're vegan. Skittles, they're vegan. So potato chips, they're vegan. But they're not helping you health-wise. Um, so, you know, I have a, I like to say a whole foods plant-based diet. So I eat real whole plants, uh, minimally processed can I use plant-based and vegan interchangeably? Um, so if you're going to a restaurant and you say, and you're on a plant-based diet, let's say, let's say you identify as a plant-based person. Uh, like when I go to a restaurant, say, what are your vegan options? Uh-huh. Because to say you're plant-based still, still is a little confusing for pe- yeah. for people. And who has time to sit there and, you know, they're like, no, we just want to take your order, lady, yeah. you know? Right. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you you put it that way because I was having a little difficulty differentiating and getting the fine points of them. Sure. Jim, uh, this does require a behavioral change. You've gone through this personally. Now, before we talk about some of the health, uh, other health issues, um, how did it change you? Well, so, you know, despite being a a highly trained professional, I was um, trained at WashU and and had been in practice here in St. Louis for about 25 years. And because, you know, physicians today, we're not taught anything about nutrition, uh, frankly. Uh, The little bit of nutrition education we have is really kind of glorified biochemistry, and it's kind of what happens to you if you don't get enough of certain vitamins or protein or whatever. And so, you know, to me, eating healthy, I had to self-educate myself, and I would kind of follow the food pyramid that the government would put out. And, you know, that that meant, you know, primarily focus on fruits and vegetables and whole grains, and you could have a little dairy and meat and cupcakes, but not too much. And, you know, I think the disconnect for many people is, is that, you know, Monday, the nurses will bring cookies in the office, and Tuesday, there's donuts in the doctor's lounge, and Wednesday, I go out for a cheeseburger, and Thursday, it's someone's birthday, so cake and ice cream, and Friday rolls around, I'm patting myself on the back for not eating many cookies this week. And I could kind of get away with that in my personal life if I exercised, 
And in the fall of 2010, I tore a meniscus in my knee, playing with my dog, had to have surgery, didn't do the rehab. And next thing I know, I became a patient. And I developed a wide variety of medical issues, you know, in retrospect, completely related to my lifestyle. Um, I had sleep apnea. I had high cholesterol. I had borderline diabetes. And one day I was laying on the couch uh, and saw the movie, the documentary Forks Over Knives, Mm -hmm. which is really about using food as medicine. And, and it, you know, it seems such an, like an obvious thing to me today, but at the time, you know, it, was, it, was, it was like a eureka moment. And so literally overnight, I uh, decided to try that for three months and see what happens, and then at the same time get my knee back in shape. And the results were literally miraculous. Um, within three months, I'd lost about 30, 40 pounds. My cholesterol dropped from 260 to 150. My sleep apnea went away. My allergies went away. Um, and so... You know, for me, not only was it a miraculous transformation in my own personal health, it also fundamentally changed the way I thought about healthcare. Because what we call healthcare today is not healthcare; it's sick care. And you know, what I was taught was, you know, your blood pressure is high. You know, here's some pills, and we there might be a conversation about lifestyle. You know, watch watch the salt in your diet and exercise more, lose some weight. But implicit in the message was, I don't think you can do that. So I'm going to go ahead and start you on this medicine. And, and then you come back and your blood pressure is good, but now your cholesterol is high, right? So we iterate that again. And so in that, this system we call healthcare, you know, the sick care system we have, we do add years to your life, but we're taking away life from your years at, at every step of the way because we're waiting for you to get sick. We're giving you drugs that have side effects that are expensive. We're allowing you to accumulate the disability that comes from getting cancer or having a heart attack or bypass surgery or whatever. And that the only way you can practice true health care, which is really where you add years to your life but sustain life in your years is really look at the root cause of these chronic diseases and what's the root cause of every single one of those breast cancer colon cancer prostate cancer diabetes heart disease alzheimer's disease 85 to 95 percent of the risk of every single one of those diseases comes from the food we put in our mouths how much exercise we get how we cope with stress and recover from stress through sleep and then what environmental toxins we expose ourselves to, primarily tobacco and alcohol, I, although I think there's increasing concerns about pesticides and herbicides and heavy metals and such in our food. But physiologically, what was happening to you? And I come back to you because you had a health issue too, mm-hmm. Karen. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. What is happening to your body when you've changed this diet so dramatically? Well, so if you think about you know, human physiology, you know, what are we designed to do from an evolutionary standpoint? We're really not a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We're really designed to try to hang around long enough and find a mate and pass on our DNA. Mm-hmm. And historically, uh, the two tasks we had to accomplish for that to occur was we had, we had to find food uh, when we're starving and not be someone else's food when they were starving. Mm-hmm. And that's where our stress originated. And we had to react to that stress through physical activity. So we have a stress response designed to be physically, to promote and recover from physical activity. And assuming we survive, that's when we would rest, recover, and refuel. And we'd refuel with what we found geographically and seasonally. And that cycle of stress activity recovery over time is how we built resilience. Mm -hmm. You fast forward to the modern world, we don't do any of that, right? We we don't have to spend energy to get energy. We don't, we don't, we don't, we run and fight emotionally, not physically when we encounter stress. And we worry about a lot more stuff than starving to death and getting by lepers. We worry about jobs and money and, and you know, relationships and politics and traffic. And we compound it by not adequately rest and recovering. And so, you know, when we adapt a healthy lifestyle that really replicates this kind of evolutionary biologic, you know, uh, physiology we're designed to have, you, you know, the analogy, these things are all connected. So, for example, there's a fundamental connection between diet and exercise. You don't, you don't park your car in the garage for a year and put gas in five times a day. You, know, you don't put 30 gallons of gas in your car if it only holds 15. And you certainly don't put bad gas in your car and expect it to run right. 
I mean, you don't put diesel gas in your car in moderation if it runs on regular unleaded. That'd be an expensive mistake to make. Yet we take much better care of our cars than we do of ourselves. So from a physiologic standpoint, what, what happens is when you adapt a plant-based diet, you know, we are not designed to put this highly processed grains and these highly processed sugars and highly processed oils and dairy products and this, you know, the meat which we eat today is really another form of processed food. We are not designed to put that stuff in our gas tanks. And so when we when you adapt a, a healthy plant-based lifestyle that includes regular physical activity, then you really get back and replicate the, the fundamental physiology we evolved to, to, to have. And Karen, you attribute this lifestyle, if you will, this behavior uh, to your own health situation because you had a health issue. Uh, do you yes. feel that this, the plant-based diet, is what uh, brought you through this particular period? Yeah, Don, I do. Um, I have not had a cold, been sick in 10 years. Um, and, uh, but in, in the beginning, so I lost my dad to cancer and exactly 10 weeks after he passed away, I was diagnosed. Um, and, uh, you know, that one, two punch will really wake you up. Right. Um, and I, and I didn't, I still didn't make the connection between food and health. I just didn't, I, I didn't know what was happening. Um, I was scared to death. Um, so I went, honest to goodness, I went to Dr. Google, right. I just started Googling, um, health, immune boosting, whatever and the the searches that were generating or the results that were generating um, kept talking about a vegan diet now this was 10 years ago not very many people were saying plant-based and you know vegan diet vegan diet you know health benefits of a vegan diet you know all kinds of things and I thought well shoot I I didn't grow up that way I don't how are you not gonna have chicken right you know like that's just strange to me so, um, you know, I started doing yoga and I started trying to meditate. I'm a huge spaz. I was not going to meditate. Um, just all kinds of different things that I've never done. And nothing was really working. Nothing was really uh, connecting. So I kept going back to that search, that search online. And again, the vegan diet kept generating. I thought, oh, shoot. Okay, fine. Just in, in order just to check off a box, I got rid of all of the animal products out of our kitchen uh, which made my husband not so happy, and I went to the grocery store, and I, you know, I was never a cook. I don't. My mom didn't cook. Uh, I just was not. Well, I don't mean that, you know, but I mean it was like you know, no big deal stuff, and um, it just wasn't important to me or or my husband. You know, quick fix meals is really where we were, and uh, so I went to the grocery store, and I went to the produce section, and I was putting all kinds of things in my grocery cart, and and I mean things like I didn't know what I was putting in my grocery cart. Don, I had no idea. There wasn't. There's no labels. You know, this is this. These are non-processed foods, so they don't have labels. And I went down some aisles, and I was just kind of following my notes. And I got home, and I thought, well, shoot, I don't know what to do with any of this stuff. Nothing is telling me how many minutes I should put it in the microwave, right? And uh, so little by little, I just went back to Google and started searching vegan meals 101, vegan recipes 101. And that's how I started. Uh, do you think most people choose this behavior because of the health concerns or is it uh, animal suffering concerns? We hear a lot about that. You know, I think that it's really changed, don't you, Jim? Yeah, I, mean, I do. It's... Yeah, I think, you know, I think. You know, you know, I knew what a vegan was through the years. But, you know, I think we all have some cognitive dissonance around where our food really comes from. And, and um, uh, you know, but to me, my perception was a vegan, you know, they wear Birkenstocks and hug trees and, and you know, that I just wasn't Throw interested in that. red paint on you. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I just wasn't interested in that. 
but but things have really changed. And I think the movie Forks Over Knives yep. has really really shifted the the spotlight. That and another documentary called What the Health has really shifted the spotlight to the health aspects of veganism. And, and as Karen said earlier, um, you know there is a fundamental difference between veganism which is typically an ethical movement, and a whole food plant-based diet. Mm. But the other thing that's really bubbled up in my practice is, is the environment, which is another something we don't really talk much about is the effect of our food system on the environment. You know, animal husbandry contributes more to climate change, to global warming, than all the transportation combined. You know, it takes 600. Methane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it takes, you know, 600 gallons of water to, to make one quarter pounder with cheese. And so, you know, if you put a low-flow shower head on your shower because there's a drought in California, you know, that's going to save about 40 gallons a month or something like that. So I think the environment is really mm-hmm. another way. So and it turns out the answer to all these, our health care crisis, the environment, and, you know, and the animal suffering is all the same. Right? Well, it's a well Karen, diet. as was pointed out to me before we went on the air, if, uh, if, if vegans and vegetarians stopped eating almonds, that would save an awful lot of water too because well, it takes so much to, to – <laughs> Produce them. That's exactly right. Yeah. So there is a certain, I think, a certain perception of elitism, if you will, snobbism, uh, snobbish behavior on the part of people like yourself. Unfortunately, that is true. And I think that we're going to get through that probably pretty quickly. I think that's just kind of a trend. Um, The the vegan diet, or I should say whole foods plant-based diet, really is a pauper's diet. I mean, we are talking rice, beans, um, in-season vegetables. Um, you can even just, and if you don't, if you don't want to buy organic vegetables, and that's fine, or you don't, or you don't want to buy fresh vegetables, that's fine. The frozen food aisle is a fantastic place to be. I mean, it is. It really, it's the faux meats, the faux cheeses, the processed um, animal-free foods. That's what's really going to drive up your grocery bill. Mm-hmm. We have to take a break. Let's do that now. We're talking about plant-based diets. And my guests in studio are Karen Dugan, who is a, a local gal. Uh, she is the owner of STL Veg Girl, right? And Dr. James Loomis is the medical director of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine at the Barnard Medical Center in the Washington, D.C. area. Back to continue the conversation, we'd like you to be a part of it. Are you a vegan? Uh, if so, tell us about your experiences with it. Would you like to be? Do you have questions about it? Give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org, or if you would prefer to send us a tweet, do so at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome back to our conversation on plant-based menus. Karen, let me come back to you. The one big thing I see missing from what we're talking about here is meat, protein, Um there are other ways, I assume, to make up for that loss. <laughs> You're both smiling because this is what you get every time, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. That's exactly right. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Do, what's the replacement for, what, for, for the protein fix? Well, there's no replacement for protein because protein is in plants. Mm-hmm. And we don't need nearly the amount that we think that we do. Um, a lot of people think we need hundreds of grams a day or, or close to, and it's just not true. Um, and anything that comes up out of the earth, a plant, is going to have the three macronutrients that we need every day. Proteins, fat, and carbohydrates. Of course, they're going to be in different ratios, um, but you can live a full, beautiful, 
life by never eating an animal product. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, you said earlier that you you buy this stuff and there's no labels on it, so you don't know what you're getting. So how right. do you know you're getting enough protein and fat and carbohydrates? Um, if with, Really, a lot of it is how you feel, right? I mean, right. When, of course, I would... If you are switching your diet in any way, I don't care if you're going to plant-based or paleo or keto, whatever it is, do consult your physician first and get your labs done and make sure that you're healthy, right? Um, and then if you, after you've switched 30 days, 90 days, 120 days, whatever, go back to your doctor and, make, and let's see what your lab results look like. So, I mean, absolutely consult your, your health care provider. Um, but, you know, if, if people are reversing their type 2 diabetes and uh, heart disease and, and all kinds of chronic illnesses, also known as foodborne illnesses, by the way, um, through a whole food plant-based diet, they're getting enough protein. Yeah. So, Don, you know, you don't turn on National Geographic and see a special on mountain gorillas or, or elephants. And the first thing that pops in your mind is, oh, my God, where do they get their protein? And, you know, are they <laughs> vitamin deficient? You know, of course not. And what do they eat? Right? They're, yeah. They eat plants. The cow, the hamburger you eat to get protein came from a cow, right? Mm -hmm. So where did the cow get its protein? From the plants, from right. grass. So if, you, if you're not starved for calories, we have the luxury in, you know, around if, if you're not starved for calories to skip the middleman, right? So, so um, there is more than that. Even if you're a highly accomplished professional athlete, football player, weightlifter, boxer, endurance athlete, uh, you can get more than enough protein through a plant-based diet. And you've worked with athletes, haven't you, with the various uh, St. Louis teams, as a matter for the Rams, the Cardinals, the teams like that? Exactly. And, and in fact, I have the privilege of being um, in an upcoming documentary called The Game Changers, which specifically addresses this whole mythology around men and meat and protein, uh, which should be – we had the world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival this year, and it will be coming out this fall. And, um, you know, so I got to meet all these incredible athletes. And, you know, and again, you meet them in the – the, the, the world's strongest man, Patrick Baboumian, who's a, a strong man in, in uh, Germany who holds the record for the most weight ever carried by a human being, 1,250 pounds on a yoke lift, um, you know, he's plant-based. And a reporter once asked, told him, you know, Patrick, you're, you're strong as an ox. And his comment was, yeah, have you ever seen what an ox eats, right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to the uh, phones, but one more question for you, Karen. Is there any way to track how successful this diet is in actually eliminating, removing, uh, uh, assisting somehow with diabetes and with uh, heart disease? You know, I, I um, have been... Uh, privileged to um, attend a uh, six and a half, seven day health summit every earth, uh, health immersion every year. And um, we're very sick people come. Uh, and I do cooking demos all week. Um, and I watch people just after six days, I watch people titrate down on their insulin um, by one half by adopting a whole foods plant based diet. So I mean, if your doctor is starting to titrate down your on your meds, then there you have reversal and healing beginning. And I see that every day in my clinical practice in Washington, D.C. What we do there is, in fact, you know, use plant-based nutrition as the fundamental treatment for, the, you know, both the prevention treatment and reversal for chronic disease. So we see this every single day. Let's get some people uh, in the audience into this conversation. We have a number of calls. We'll start with Robin calling from St. Louis. Robin, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Thank you, sir. Um, I am just so enjoying this and so glad to see that this information is getting out. Um, I'm a 60-year-old woman, had the quote-unquote typical health problems that you normally would, but very fortunate in that I was sent to the John McDougall Immersion mm -hmm. Program, which yes. I'm sure your guests yes. are very familiar yes. with. 
and you you do start out the first couple of days going, yeah, okay, this looks kind of good. I but I could never really give up eggs. Believe me, by the end of the eight days, you're like, I'm never looking at milk. I'm not eating any of that stuff. You got me, hook, line, and sinker. And in two years, I've lost twenty pounds. I am on no medication whatsoever <laughs> anymore. No blood pressure. Cholesterol is one. All my numbers are perfect. It is a great lifestyle, and I also want to give a kudos that you are distinguishing between vegan and whole grain plant-based because I identify as whole grain plant-based, and there are lots of fat vegans all over the place. <laughs> yeah, Robin, there are. <laughs> Robin, thanks. For Congratulations, by the way. And yeah. there's your testimonial. I mean, yeah. there, there it yeah. is right there in a nutshell. Awesome. Uh, let's bring in Liz calling from St. Louis because I think it's a good follow-up to, uh, to uh, Robin. Liz, you're on the air. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. My question is around, I, I love the idea of what you're talking about and would adopt it wholeheartedly, but I have a significant other who is a pretty picky eater, and the thought of losing meat and some of the things that, that he really enjoys eating um, doesn't quite rub him the right way. So I'm curious, how do you address that, and are there any tips for slowly introducing that to someone like that? Sure. It's a great question. Uh, Liz, I see that all the time in my classes and programs. Uh, Typically, when people change their lifestyle, they're on a solo mission. We don't all do this together, unfortunately. Um, Eventually, but not initially. When I first adopted a whole food plant-based diet um, 10 years ago, my husband... um, was really not on board. He didn't really understand it, though. You know, So um, I would make whatever food I was making for myself, and then I would put a chicken breast right on top for him. And he was fine with that. So um, I, I see that that works for a lot of people. Um, and I also was making food that um, we could recognize, so it wasn't making all kinds of "Quote unquote," excuse me, you know, ve- weird vegan meals. Um, it was it was rice and quinoa and pasta and whatever, uh, something that he really could identify with. So um, I think if you stick with just regular old food, and then um, you know you're not having the chicken breast, but he is just just to kind of start that transition. Jim, how about uh, cherry picking and saying I'm going I'm on the whole plant thing. Uh, plant-based thing, but I, every once in a while I want a hard-boiled egg or a slice of right. cheese. Well, the, the problem is, you know, we, we forget that eating is a learned behavior. And so, you know, we learned that a long time ago. And so trying to do this in moderation is very difficult because, um, you know, back to the example I gave earlier, you know, I have a cookies on Monday, donuts on Tuesdays, cheeseburgers on Wednesdays, you know, cake and ice cream on Thursday, and then Friday I'm patting myself on the back. If you look at the diet as a whole, oftentimes you may be just having one bad thing a day. It can catch up. And the analogy I use with my patients is, you know, if you move to London, you've got to learn how to drive on the other side of the street. And, and once you do that, it takes a while, you know, three or four months. And every time you get in the car, you got to think about what side of the road am I on, what side of the pedestrians coming from, which way do I go through the roundabout. And then one day that's how you drive. And once you do that, you didn't think about driving on the other side of the road in moderation, right? Because mm-hmm. you would only have a moderate number of head-on collisions and run over a moderate number of pedestrians. <laughs> but in fact, every time you eat that, that piece of cheese or that steak – or, or that hard-boiled egg, you're literally running over the lining of your heart, the endothelial cells. You're running over the, you know, your breast cells and your colon cells and your prostate cells and, you know, on and on and on. And so uh, there are some other reasons to get all in at some point, and that has to do with your gut microbiome, which could be a whole nother, you know, two-hour show. Um, 
but um, um, so so although I think in the early stages as you're trying to remove foods but but I try to encourage my patients to really get as far in as you can get if you really want the health benefits let's take another call and uh, Bob will join us from Olivet go ahead Bob yeah, I'm in the awkward position of being a hog farmer that's gone over to a primarily plant-based diet. Oh, but uh, I guess to, to address your last point a little bit, and, and uh, of course I'm in the industry, I have a lot of friends, and, and I made the change, but I'm, I didn't go 100%. And I, I, in addition to Forks Over Knives, I think Joel Furman's Eat to Live is a great yes. book for people yeah. to read. And his point in there is, say, in relationships, it is a difficult issue. If one person wants to change and the other doesn't, whatever incremental changes you make, even if you don't go entirely plant-based, is going to have some benefits for you. That's true. So you can't can't write it off. I mean, I agree with Jim that, you know, if you can make the change, go ahead. But improve your health is, is the biggest thing. And the other thing that I say to people is you can't leave out oils and sugars and salt. I see vegans that they just think that because they're not eating animal protein that they're going to be healthier. And if you don't change the way you prepare your food, which I I think is actually the hardest part, is how do we cook differently in our society? Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Have an answer for that? Well, no, I think I, I think that's exactly right. And again, that's one of the distinctions between veganism and a whole food plant based diet, because a whole food plant based diet does not include these highly processed vegetable oils and highly processed sugars and highly processed Which grains. Which includes coconut oil, oil and it's, olive oil, and yeah. you know, it's kind of interesting. Another way to think about this is is to think about you know our food through the lens of nutrient density, mm-hmm. right? So think of your calories as money, right? When we invest our money, we want to get the highest return on investment. If we invest our, if we think of our calories the same way, we want to invest our calories, we want to get the highest nutritional return on investment. So you can invest 100 calories in olive oil or coconut oil, chicken breast or broccoli. Well, first of all, you know, 100 calories of olive oil is a tablespoon, right? It doesn't take up much space in your stomach. And what do you get back from that? There's no protein, no fiber, no antioxidants. Chicken breast is an ounce, 100 calories. What do you get back from that besides protein and fat? Nothing. Broccoli, 100 calories is 12 ounces. Now, that's a lot of broccoli, but that's really the point because it becomes almost calorically self-limiting and you get fiber and, and protein and antioxidants and phytonutrients, which can have been shown to prevent cancer on and on. Uh, Karen, do, do you bother to count calories? No. Mm-mm. No, I don't. Well, I think it's, it's a little difficult to count calories when you're making your own food all the time mm-hmm. and creating recipes. Yeah. Let's go uh, to uh, one of our listeners writing here. Lucy sent an email writing, I have a hard time completely giving up meat cooking for three skeptical kids and being mm-hmm. a working mother. Advice of, or for, for those of us with families wanting to instill these health values and habits in our small children. Karen? So I think batch cooking is a wonderful thing. Um, cooking mm-hmm. meals on Sunday or whenever you have a day off, if anyone has a day off anymore. Um, and then, um, you know, if you make a big batch of Southwest quinoa or whatever it is. And then, you know, if, if somebody in the family, just as I was saying, somebody in the family wants to have a meat component on that or a dairy component on that, then you do that. So making foods or preparing foods that um, you can modify easily upon serving, I think really helps. Right. The other the other thing I think is that, um, you know, leading by example, obviously for kids, but getting the kids involved in the cooking process because, That's you know, true. because, yeah. because, you know, 
the, the food preparation, it, it, does, it is more labor-intensive. But as Karen said, you know, spending a Sunday afternoon with your kids making a big pot of soup and including them in the process and cr- the creative process. And there's, you know, there's like Forks Over Knives has a great family uh, cookbook um, uh, that, that, that really has kid-friendly recipes. And I think that's a great way uh-huh. as well to get kids involved. Amy writes, how can I find doctors in St. Louis who do not want to rely heavily on medications for health healing, but rather promote healthful eating and lifestyle? I would rather have a doctor who makes specific exercise or diet suggestions first and then makes medications-based suggestions second. Jim? Yeah, that's, a, that's an issue, actually. When well, I, you, know, you know, and I, not to cut you, but I think that it, it – I think the responsibility lies on us, uh, us yeah, as the public, you know. So I think, you know, our, our physicians, our healthcare providers are wonderful, and they're there to help us. But if they don't know because they weren't taught this in med school, right. um, then, then they don't know. And what you don't you know, you don't know. So right. I think it's really up to us as the patients to say, hey, here's some information. Here's some journals, some medical journals, here's some hardcore science. Um, this is what I'm doing. And if you're interested at all, here's some information. Yeah, there's a great book, uh, How Not to Die, uh, written by Dr. Michael Greger, who's one of the speakers at our summit on uh, Saturday. And uh, it is, um, there's two or 300 pages of medical references. And, mm-hmm. and I've had, you know, patients actually will give that book to their doctor. It's, a, it's almost a textbook. We use it when we teach medical students in, in our practice. We have uh, students and residents who rotate through. We actually give them a copy of that as a textbook. And so I think Karen's right, um, um, you know, educating patients. I mean, you don't need a prescription to go to the store and buy some kale and quinoa. Right? How does Michael Pollan fit into your positions? Well, I think I, I like – I think that, that um, I've read all of his books, um, and um, I, I think he has some great points. If you really look at his rules for healthy eating that he wrote in the, in the book Defense of Food um, – you know, number one or two is eat less, eat more plants, eat less, exactly. more plants. So yeah. I think, you know, although he doesn't advocate for a, a completely plant-based diet, I mean, I think he gets it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the rule that you shouldn't eat anything that, you know, your great, great, great grandmother wouldn't recognize as food. So I think the understanding about the highly processed foods which have gotten into our foodways, um, I, I agree with some of the things he said. The edible food-like substances, he calls right, exactly. them, which yeah. pervade our foodways today, are not healthy. He has the great story about the Twinkie he bought 10 years ago. Right. Put it on his desk, and it's still as soft <laughs> yeah, as right, it right. was the day that he bought it. Right. Okay. Uh, we had a call we just lost there, and uh, the question has something to do with the shopping. You addressed that a little bit earlier, Karen. But do you have any tips for people going out for the first time and w- what they should do a first time around in terms of the, what they find in the supermarket? Um, I would say, boy, this is this could go either way. This could go a lot of different ways. Um, I would say first, um, arm yourself with uh, a good recipe, something that looks delicious and easy to do. Uh, write down uh, your grocery list and go for it. I mean, it's just start with one, you know, and there's a lot of vegan or plant-based, I should say plant-based, uh, one-on-one cookbooks out there and websites, my goodness. Right. Well, yeah, I think the other thing too, I'm sorry, um, the other thing is I think is building a pantry. Right with, with staples. I mean, it's very easy to come home after work if your time, even if you're tired, you can make a pot of healthy lentil soup in you know 15 minutes. But you have to have lentils in the pantry, and you have to have you know a can of diced tomatoes, and, and on and on. So, I think, I think it starts but, with a recipe. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but they're in cans, and they're going to have some sort of preservative if they are in cans. I mean, isn't that counterproductive? Well, not not necessarily. Some some of the canned vegetables, I certainly use canned beans. They really don't have a lot of preservatives. Right. Um, and that's um, all in the education, too, is label right. reading, exactly. understanding. Exactly. Our, our time is beginning to wind down. A couple of things I want to get to and then talk about your, your summit. But uh, 
very quickly, uh, Jim, you know, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? I mean, what typically would you have following uh, the plant-based diet? Well, I mean, I, the, the beauty of it is, is I, my, my diet is much more varied than it ever was before. And, I, you know, I'm a I'm very busy guy. So it, it, at home, I batch cook on Sundays. Uh, with a, I make a grain and a, and, a, and a legume, bean or lentil. And then I go to the farmer's market and buy seasonal food. And then I construct my meals the rest of the week off of those three fundamental things. And I, by varying the seasonings, the spices and herbs and such, you know, if I want Southwest, I could do a stir fry. If I want to make a wrap, I can put some cumin and chili powder. And so um, I, it's really pretty remarkably easy once you kind of get in the swing of things. Uh-huh. And, and the food is, is just astounding, amazingly tasty. Karen? What tipi- What do you have for dinner tonight? Dinner tonight? Um, I actually am so excited. I have a um, "quote unquote" chicken salad waiting for me in my refrigerator, and I made it two, three nights ago. And uh, my husband and I have been eating it through, for the minute. last. Wait, with, with the actual chicken? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> chickpeas. Chickpeas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have chickpeas, walnuts, uh, some veggies in there, and uh, tahini paste, which actually gives it that creaminess. So your husband has come around, obviously. Yes, he you know. has. Okay, about the summit mm-hmm. uh, this uh, this weekend. Tell us quickly about that. Who's invited, and what do you what do you hope to accomplish? Sure. Uh, so St. Louis's first plant based nutrition summit is being held at Washington University on Saturday, July 14th from about, what do we say, 7.30 in the morning right. to about 5 o'clock at 720 night. 7.20 is what I saw. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. doors are at 7.20. Yeah. We've been tweaking it all day. Um, we have Dr. Michael Greger coming to town. Jim was just talking about his book, How Not to Die. We have Dr. Scott Stoll, who's a co-founder of the Plantrition Project, coming to town. He's talking about uh, how to raise really healthy kids. So excited about that. Um, Jim, of course, is talking about how to reverse and prevent type 2 diabetes. And we have Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn coming to town, and he wrote a book called Preventing and Reversing Heart Disease. And I'm going to be doing a cooking demo. Oh, and we have Dr. Fred Williams, who is a local GI doc. Anybody invited? Uh, sign up online. There, or yeah, there's like um, there's still a few seats left. Not yeah. a lot, but uh, the website is stlvegirl.com. We will put a link to that on on uh, our website, and it'll give more information about you and what you do and what services yes. Uh, yes. you can provide. Right? Yes. Okay. I wish we had more time. <laughs> we don't, unfortunately. But I want to thank you so much, Karen Dugan, thank for you. being with us. Great talking to you. She is the owner of STL Veg Girl. Dr. James Loomis is the medical director of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine at the Barnard Medical Center. This is St. Louis on the Air and St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.